All right, so we are welcoming in three formidable reporters from around the country in Lake Lewis from Washington who will be talking about the Washington football team today. Lawrence Holmes, who is my buddy from Chicago to talk about the Bears. And Daryl, tell me your last name again. Ryder, sorry, I'm going to say it wrong because I want to say rude and I apologize for that. He's going to be joining us to talk about the Browns and I definitely appreciate everyone from around the country because these are people that um, I have been in different uh, cities uh, covering different teams, people who I respect in terms of how they cover their um, respective um, clubs around the country. So one of the things we're going to do is first talk about the Washington football team, guys. And then from there, we're going to go to the Bears. And then from there, we are going to go to the Browns. So everyone hang tight. I'm going to bring you back in. I thank you for joining us to talk about the NFL matchups in week six this week. Okay, guys? Sounds good. All right. I appreciate it. All right. Hold on one second. All right. So now we're going to come up here, take the overlay off. All right, so we are starting with Lake Lewis, who covers the Washington football team. <laughs> you guys have a very interesting matchup today. Can you set the scene for us today? Yeah, uh, travel up to uh, Jersey and uh, take on the uh, the Giants, and it's a pivotal game for Washington. I mean, they after winning their first game against the Eagles, you know, all the way back in Week One, you've seen this team reel off four straight losses. Uh, the Giants have been playing well under. Uh, Joe Judge, their new coach, and I think you've seen them progress each week. And unfortunately, if you're a Washington fan, you've seen them kind of regress each week. So it'll be a tell of the tape which team shows up in New York today. Well, one of the things I think that's been really interesting with your team, Lake, is the quarterback situation. Obviously, they made a very, um, you know, public, controversial, whatever you want to call it. I'm, I'm trying to find a euphemism, right? <laughs> yes, uh, to uh, bench Dwayne Haskins, not just going from the one spot, but all the way down to number three and bringing in Kyle Allen, which didn't necessarily go the best for them because he got injured. I believe they only had 180 yards and actually ended up being their least, you know, <laughs> amount as far as their output for the season. Talk about how that kind of resonated in Washington. You know, a lot of people here, they want to believe in Ron Rivera. They, they like him as a man. And as you know, Josina, from your experiences with him, he, he's a good man. He really is. But as a coach, you know, a lot of people were dumbfounded with the decision to bench Dwayne, not because Dwayne was playing lights out football, because let's face it, he's a young guy. And he's still struggling to learn the quarterback position in the NFL. Mm -hmm. But Ron Rivera told us right after the Cleveland game where Dwayne Haskins threw three interceptions, literally right after the game in our Zoom uh, press conference, he was like, the guy's going to have to learn on the fly. You know, he's a young player. As long as he does what we're asking him to do, we're going to support him and stand in his corner so there won't be any benching. Well, he goes out the next week against the Baltimore Ravens and has his best game as a pro, at least from a statistical standpoint. Mm -hmm. I had uh, 32 completions, 45 attempts had his first rushing touchdown of his career, and also threw for 314 yards. And guess what? He got benched. <laughs> so a lot so of what do you So what do you attribute that then to, if, if statistically all those things were the case, and what do you attribute that to? Well, I mean, they, 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 they mentioned that he's not progressing right now, and he's not doing some things that they wanted him to do. There was a, a, a scene, a scenario in the game where it was like a fourth and 16, and as you know, the chances of a team making a fourth and 16, and it was fourth and goal, in other words, they're not going to make that touchdown. Well, they actually wanted to see what he was going to do under the situation, and they went for it, and Dwayne threw a check down to like the 13-yard line, so that wasn't a good look. But I attribute a lot of it to after the game against Baltimore. He was the last Washington player off the field because he was out there piling it up with some of his former Ohio State teammates that are on the Ravens. And also, you know, playing with uh, with Lamar Jackson. And I said this, Lamar Jackson has every right to do whatever he wants to do after a game because he was the league MVP last year. Dwayne Haskins is a struggling second-year player who's trying to show this team that he can be their franchise centerpiece. I just thought that was a bad look, you know, visually, the optics of that. But did, it, but did other people agree with you? Do you feel like that oh, was yeah, not absolutely. just your sentiment, but that resonated throughout oh, yeah. the club? Yeah. Absolutely. And I, and I was told by some guys that they just didn't care for that. I mean, the flip side of it is Terry McLaurin 
you know, who was a guy that was a fourth round draft pick last year and is becoming their best offensive weapon. You know, he was the first player off the field or one of the first couple off the field. And the irony is he played with some of those same Ohio State guys and played for the Ravens, too, in, in college. He just waved at him and took off for the uh, locker room because he wasn't happy about the loss. Those are the little things, the little subtleties that I think some people may, know, may not see outside of what they're watching on TV on Sundays. But to see him in practice and things like that, there's body language that you notice sometimes with Dwayne, especially this past week before he came back because he was out with an illness. Uh, you know, there were little things like that that you pick up on. And I just think that this team all along felt like Kyle Allen was probably the better equipped, at least right now, because he played for Ron Rivera and Scott Turner the past two seasons in, uh, in Carolina. But what about bringing along someone who obviously needs the reps? I mean, I think Dwayne has had 11 starts. I mean, you look at what's happening with the Jets, with Sam Darnold, he's you know, been in there, has had multiple opportunities to try to, you know, work out the kinks. Dwayne Haskins is just 11 games in. Now, granted, I believe his QBR, um, I know, was uh, amongst the lower tier uh, around the time that, yes, <laughs> and I yeah. see it again with the euphemism, <laughs> trying to, um, you know, uh, at the time that the team was one and three, rather. But again, how do you, how do you build yourself back, you know, up from that? Um, when 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 you're trying to get the reps in a set head coach, new head coach's system? You know, honestly, Jay, I, I can't say that I see him having anything he can do to be back in the good graces here. Um, and really? I'm not, you know, you know my style. I'm not trying to create something that's not there, but you don't put a guy at third string if he plays into your future at any point. And we were told and sold from day one with Ron Rivera that this is a rebuild, that they're going to try to rebuild this whole organization up the right way. This move was a little much of a, it was a head scratcher. And the reason why I say that is because even if you think Dwayne isn't your guy, this mm -hmm. is a rebuild season. You're not going anywhere this year. Let's be upfront about this. Yeah, but the NFC East is yeah. obviously they're just one game back. <laughs> you just know, of the Cowboys, right? I, you know, I'm just. I, I know, but listen, they're right. dogs to a winless football team. And I and I, that, I found that very interesting yeah. that the Giants are 0 and 5, and that the Washington football team is coming into this matchup today as the underdog. Yeah, I mean that tells you everything you need to know. No one expects anything from this team, not this year at least. So, so my thing is you've got two really good college quarterbacks coming out in the draft this year and Trevor Lawrence. You're already looking towards the college quarterbacks. Right. So, yeah. so, so, but, but the thing is that you've got these two really – they're transient-type players to me. I think they're going to be really special in the pros. So the thing is, is that if you're Washington, you have a chance to see Dwayne Haskins if you don't take them all the way through week 16, maybe week 12, at least get three quarters out of your season. I attributed him being benched after four games to like you taking out your starting quarterback after the first quarter because the offense isn't working yet. Teams don't do that. They If they see that they're struggling, maybe halftime they do it. So that right. was week eight for Dwayne. Most yeah. of the time they do it at some point in the third. So that yeah. would have been maybe the 11th or 12th game. Then yeah. at that point, if you don't see he's doing anything, you know you've got to draft a quarterback or sign one in free agency. Okay, but let's actually look at this matchup against the Giants, okay? Uh, because to me, Kyle Allen, at least what uh, Rivera tried to say is, well, he was doing what I wanted him to do before he hurt. So do you agree with that? Yeah. Do you do you agree that you saw some improvements from oh, yeah. the offense before Absolutely. Kyle got hurt? Okay. Yeah, he, he took them on a nice scoring drive, I think like 76 right. yards, and they scored. Ironically, they finished the game with 108 total yards, minus six in the second half. Kyle Allen had 80% of their yards on one drive. And by the way, he scored a touchdown with his legs. He made a nice, uh, you know, he put the ball down and took off and, and, and ran one in from like 13 yards out. And those were some of the decisions that sometimes you didn't see with Dwayne. And you saw that in one drive. They mixed it up. Kyle made some nice throws. I think he's more equipped to, to perform better in this offense because you need touch and timing on your passes in a West Coast offense. And and that's not Dwayne's game right now. So, yeah, I, to answer your question, I thought Kyle looked pretty decent, uh, you know, under the circumstances before he got knocked out the game. So even though right now people in New York slash New Jersey are saying that the Giants defense is actually, you know, mostly, you know, their bright spot right now. Yeah. 
Um, it's still an opportunity for the Washington football team to open up their offense and try to see if they can even get Terry McLaurin, <laughs> you know, a little bit more involved and open up the downfield passing game today, presumably, even though for the Giants, that's more of their bright, you know, bright spot. And, and, and he'll have an interesting matchup today against James Bradbury. Yeah, you know, and Washington also to try to counter, you know, the Giants defense. We know about the Giants, you know, two two starting tackles on defense are, are really good. <laughs> you know, they're disruptive. Well, yeah. you, you have to think that Washington's coming into this game and they're going to mix up their offensive line. You know, they're starting uh, Sadiq Charles, you know, their they're, uh, fourth round draft pick from LSU, who most people thought had a chance to be their starting left tackle, where he's getting his first pro start today and it's going to be at left guard. A little different from what most people thought, <laughs> but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and then you also get Pro Bowl Brandon Sheriff back as well. So hopefully it'll bring some stability to a struggling offensive line because last week, Josina, I'm trying to tell you, Aaron Donald and uh, Los Angeles Rams defensive line. Oh, yeah, that guy, Aaron Donald. <laughs> yeah. they, they, were, they were making money off the Redskins offensive line. That was that was like an old fashioned. It was bad. Just put it that way. <laughs> okay. Well, tell me real quick about, you know, Chase Young. Obviously, we know he went out after uh, 13 defensive snaps in the Cleveland game. Uh, where is he at right now with his health, would you say? Uh, yeah, he, 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 you know, came back last week and, and he mm -hmm. actually did some nice things. I mean, mm -hmm. he still was disruptive. You could tell he was still kind of working back the kinks, you know, a little bit because of growing injury, as you know, with a player that's that explosive. So you didn't feel like he looked last week like he did when – the Washington football team had eight sacks against the Eagles. You feel like you saw that he was something was a little, little bit. Of a, yeah, it was a little bit okay. of a step back, but nothing, nothing to concern you. I mean, this mm -hmm. guy's their best, and I'm going to say this, he's their best football player, not mm -hmm. just their best defensive player. He's yeah. their best player as a rookie, and you, you've seen that in four games. I think another week of more treatment and, and just getting, you know, back in game reps, I think today you'll see him make some plays out there that this defense desperately needs. Okay. So here's the thing. What will it take to, for them to get that same, you know, the way they played in that second half against the Eagles? I mean, they were just, I, you know, I, I thought that maybe this momentum could just carry over. And, of course, it was unfortunate for you guys. To we leave. all did. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Ioannidis, who led the team with sacks last year with eight and a half, and, 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 and Chase Young to then, you know, have to sit out a game against the Ravens. But do you feel like you'll see that same energy perhaps after uh, Chase Young has a, a another week to – you know, kind of smooth out the groin. And then even though they're still missing Matt to maybe bring some of that energy that they had in the second half, you know, yeah. against the Eagles. I, I do. I do. I think him along with Montez Sweat. Montez Sweat has started to really, you know, look like that first round draft pick that they took last year with Dwayne Haskins. You know, so those two guys being bookends, you know, their future bookends on top of that, they really need for them to step up. And I, and I think today would be a, a perfect day to do that. Um, the Giants have, have been known to have their offensive line struggles as well. So, you know, which team wants this the most? Uh, uh, you know what's going to happen, though, Jacina. Right. Whoever wins this game, we're going to be hearing, oh, we're, we're in the NFC East race, you know, to win the division. <laughs> right. I mean, it's definitely different right now, especially with the Cowboys losing Dak Prescott. We'll see, you know, what Andy Dalton does for them. Uh, lastly, before I um, kind of switch to our next team here, I just wanted to say that I do think what's going on with the Giants is still very interesting. I know that they have a new head coach and, uh, and Joe Judge or what, or what have you, but I do think that one of the things I'll be watching for with this game is still, even though they're playing around with the offensive line and what have you, is still the play of Daniel Jones. I mean, this is a guy that has uh, eight turnovers. He still needs to, um, you know, clean that up with the five interceptions and I believe the three, you know, fumbles lost. Want to see if he plays better. And then if they can get uh, things going a little bit more, you know, with their um, – you know, with their offensive game, you know, granted Saquon uh, Barkley is out. They brought in Devontae Freeman, but, uh, you know, Jason Garrett, I want to see if he can still figure out a way with the pieces that he has to do something against y'all's, uh, the Washington football team's defense today. So we'll see. Yeah. Today will be a big game. I think for a guy like Evan Ingram, you know, tight end uh, with the Giants, you know, he hasn't had that big impact that they thought that he was going to have, at least not this year. But uh, mm -hmm. tight ends have been known to give Washington's defense fits, and we've seen that this year as well. A lot of tight ends have made a, a nice living off of Washington's uh, linebacking core, so we'll see if he can step up today for Daniel Jones and the Giants. All right, Lake Lewis. Well, I appreciate you giving us that preview against the Giants today for the Washington football team. I want you to just hang tight. I'm going to bring in the rest of our guys just so people know who's coming up. So give us one second. 
All right. All right. So we're going to bring you all to the screen. Um, all right. So now we're going to go and bring up here and then. All right, guys, so everyone, I just want you guys to hang around. We're still going to be talking about the Browns. We're still going to be talking about the Bears. I see Lawrence looking up right there. We're figuring this out as we kind of switch around the country. Right now, I want to go to Daryl Ryder to talk about the Browns. So, Lawrence, I want you to hang on a sec, but I want people to know in Chicago, we are going to be talking about Nick Foles and everything going on out there today as you face the Panthers. So we'll be coming to you in a second. And, Lake, thank you for giving us that preview against the uh, for the Washington football team against the Giants today, okay? Appreciate it. All right, thanks. Hold on one second. All right. All right. So now we bring in Daryl Ryder to talk about the Browns today. We are having the infamous rematch, sort of, <laughs> with the Browns and also the Pittsburgh Steelers today. How are you doing, Daryl? Doing good. And I don't think we're going to see anything too infamous this afternoon at right. Heinz Field. Exactly, because clearly it's not the same quarterbacks uh, or with, obviously with Mason Rudolph and, and Miles Garrett. But Miles Garrett is coming back at least to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. So from that standpoint, it'll be very interesting if you could set the table for us right now. Yeah, I, and I think that the, the fact that the, there'll be only about 5,000 fans at Heinz Field will make the atmosphere surrounding this game a little more palatable for Garrett and the Browns. The message coming out of Berea, Ohio this week is – we are focused on this year. What happened in the past is in the past. I give Garrett a lot of uh, credit. He's done everything in his power to put that ugly incident behind him. Unfortunately, it was egregious enough that it is going to be a black cloud that hangs over his head. But the Browns go to Pittsburgh looking to prove themselves once again. They're 4-1. and one. I think a lot of people around the National Football League, though, are still asking in spite of wins over the Cowboys and Colts, are the Browns for real? despite their best start since 1994. They'll look to show that this afternoon. Yeah, and are you surprised by the 4-1 start, or is, is this what you expected? Well, it's been a long time since the Browns have been 4-1, so I am a, a little surprised. I mean, Kevin Stefanski's off to the best start for a head coach since 1971. <laughs> I mean, Bill Belichick didn't start 4-1 uh, yeah. coaching the Browns. Uh, the, you know, that 94 season, uh, the Browns made the playoffs uh, that year. Uh, they ended up uh, starting six and one. So, uh, you know, the Browns haven't won five in a row since coming back into the NFL. They'll look to do that today. Uh, I mean, it's just it's been so long since the Browns have been a legitimately relevant franchise on the field as well as off the field. I mean, typically the news that they make off the field isn't very good, uh, but they're doing all their talking on the field. And this team really has taken on the personality of first year head coach Kevin Stefanski. Uh, you know, what is, what is his personality? Would you say all business, all business, uh, no bark, all bite. In other words, we're not going to talk. We're just going to go out and do it. That's kind of their slogan. That's on the t-shirts as they wear within the, the locker room. But yeah, you know, Kevin's the fancy. You don't really want to talk about how bad it's been here, uh, since 1999, he's focused on the task at hand and that is uh, to, to win football games. That's why he was hired. They have the talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball to win. And quite frankly, so far early uh, early on in the season, that's exactly what they're doing is winning. So the biggest, one of the bigger storylines or things to watch for coming into this game is just the health of Baker Mayfield. Uh, can you set that stage for us right now? Yeah, Baker Mayfield was limited in practice Wednesday and Thursday. Josina did not do a whole lot. Now, we didn't get to see Thursday's practice because they had to move it inside. And obviously, with the COVID-19 protocols, that means media is not permitted to observe practice. But on Friday, he was a full participant. And that told me he was going to start watching him throw during the 25 minutes we got to uh, observe. He he looked fine to me. Uh, you did notice the the shell underneath the jersey there. He was adjusting after throws. You could see he had some visible discomfort, but the accuracy, the velocity on the throws were there. So uh, you, you didn't know, see him wincing at all. And just uh, can you mention for everybody what the actual injury is? Yeah, uh, the Browns officially listed it as a chest injury. Now Baker Mayfield told us Sunday night and on Wednesday that it is a rib injury. He got drilled pretty hard. Uh, in the fourth quarter, and toward the end of that game against the Colts, he labored throwing the ball. It was right before Ernest Johnson ripped off that 28-yard run, uh, and, and I actually thought that it 
potentially could have been a, a serious injury. X-rays came back right after the game negative. Uh, so he's just going to have to manage that pain today. And you know the Steelers, they, they bring the heat. they got multiple guys that have hit quarterbacks at least 10 times this season. Uh, T.J. Watt, four and a half sacks. It is a very formidable, formidable defensive front they're going to face today. And the Steelers will be looking to hit Baker Mayfield early and often and make him as uncomfortable as possible. Oh, yeah, I think it, I think they have a 42.9 uh, pressure rate right now, which is crazy in terms of the amount of times that they are uh, blitzing. Uh, just to go back to the injury front real quick, um, or, you know, because Odell was sick a little bit earlier this week. Tell us where he is now in terms of um, what you know. He's going to play today. Uh, he passed all the COVID tests negative. Um, and, you know, he had to be away from the facility Thursday and Friday in line with the protocols. He rejoined the team Saturday morning. They had extended meetings as well as an extended walkthrough to kind of get him up to speed. Kevin Stefanski made it very clear that if he did pass the, uh, the COVID tests and uh, was able to play, he will play. And they need him to play. Um, they're without uh, uh, Nick Chubb, who's on injured reserve right now. Um, Although I do think it's interesting that Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt rather, is still averaging five point um, yards per carry per clip right now. I yeah. mean, in in in, in Dearness Johnson, you know, not so much, you know, maybe the last game, but particularly with the game where he came in for Nick Chubb, I thought did a really really nice job filling in. Well, they do have an issue on their offensive line today, and that is Wyatt Teller, who has stepped in at right guard. Uh, has a calf strain, and he will not play today. And Teller has been exceptional, not only pass blocking, but run blocking. And one of the things Bill Callahan, their offensive line coach, as well as within Stefanski's offense, they have been doing in the run game is been pulling the guards. And Teller not only hits at the point of attack, he gets the second and third guy down the field. That's not easy to do in the National Football League, and that's not easy to do for a guy who, coming into the season, hadn't played a whole lot. So uh, Chris Hubbard, the veteran uh, tackle, he uh, played guard, finished off that game last week against the Colts. He's going to have to start, and they're going to need him to perform well against his former team. Well, even though the Steelers are obviously doing very well, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, it's not like he's uh, scrambling out of the pocket as much as we used to see him. I believe his air yards are just 7 point, uh four yards, uh, you know, per attempt. So it'll be interesting to see with the front from the Browns and the pressure that they get on him, um, if they can disrupt what he's trying to do, keeping more so in the pocket versus the Ben Roethlisberger that we've seen more so in the past, especially, you know, hey, reintroduce you to Miles Garrett. Yeah, uh, and they're going to need Miles Garrett to get home. That's kind of a theme on the Browns sideline during games. Hey, 95, we need you now. Make a play now. And Garrett has delivered early in the season, three strip sacks. Uh, he's got six sacks, which leads the AFC. He's off to a monster start. And his sacks, Josina, are coming at critical points in the game. And I think that that's what's different about this Brown start. We saw it against Dallas where the game started to slip away in the fourth quarter. Uh, we saw it against the Colts where it started to slip away a little bit. And typical Browns teams lose those games. They've not done that early in the season. They have found ways to make plays late and make meaningful plays late in ballgames to finish off opponents. So that's a positive sign. But there's a lot of pressure on Garrett, Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogan, Joey to continue what they have done early in the season. And that is get after the quarterback and collapse that pocket because the secondary for the Browns, yeah. it, it, it's okay. But it ain't great. They've got Denzel Ward, and that's kind of about it. And that's no disrespect to a veteran like Terrence Mitchell or Sheldrick Redwine, who's going to have to start at safety today. Uh, but th that's just the cold, hard math and cold, hard reality. The Browns don't defend the pass. They're similar to the Steelers. They're not very good against the pass. So Ben Roethlisberger is going to look to get the football out as quickly as possible, much in the same fashion we're going to see Baker Mayfield today. Yeah, because you mentioned because Carl Joseph is out at safety. Uh, Greedy Williams has been dealing with that shoulder. Um, I was talking to a Brown source last night just to figure out if they were going to even try to uh, bring any help via free agency. Um, the understanding that I have right now is that they're going to wait for more of a return to health in the secondary, even though there are options like Earl Thomas out there, Tony Jefferson out there. Um, you know, we'll see. 
and you know how things kind of come along with you know greedy and the, the I think they said he kind of has like a sting still going on in his shoulder, what have you, with the nerve issue. Yeah. Uh, real quick, um, how are you feeling about his play, even if he does come, you know, back and it starts to feel better? Well, uh, you know, I was of the opinion, and I stress it was my opinion because I'm not a medical professional, but when that injury occurred, I just my gut told me they were going to have to put him on injured reserve to start the season, and that that did not happen. They, you know, the, the Kevin Stefanski kept saying, well, he's day-to-day, day-to-day, week in and week out. They get five weeks into the season, and he's still not able to do much even at practice. Yeah. So they put him on – they finally caved and put him on injured reserve. Another injury to keep an eye on is uh, Ronnie Harrison, uh, the safety they acquired from Jacksonville during training camp. They gave up like a 2021 fifth round pick to bring him in. He started a lot of games in Jacksonville. And one of my arguments early in the season was, why isn't Ronnie Harrison playing? Well, he did play last week against the Colts and had a big third down uh, pass breakup and a 47-yard pick six, unfortunately suffered a concussion, was on the stationary bike Friday, thought there was a chance they would try and get him through that concussion protocol so he could play today. They're erring on the side of caution. And Kevin Stefanski is very big on following the medical professional leads as well as those protocols. He is out today. And that's unfortunate because I think he can make a difference in that Brown secondary. Yeah, that secondary is just going to be really interesting to watch, obviously, too. There's a guy by the name of Chase Claypool that had a huge, huge game for the Steelers. So I want to see if he can duplicate that type of performance, you know, and, and well, especially, you know, against the uh, Browns. So we'll see with everything that's going on in that secondary. So I appreciate you giving us that preview today for the Browns going up against the Steelers. We're going to bring in our guys to talk about the uh, Bears real quick. So just give us a second here. Okay, Daryl. Yeah. Thank you, Josina. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. So we are going to bring. What? Hey. And I think we should be okay. There we go. So yes. there is Lawrence Holmes, everybody, to talk about the Bears. What is going on? Well, I, the Bears are getting off of their, like, mini buy that they're on after yes. Tom Brady, uh, as I like to call him, bruh man from the fifth floor. Uh, he ended <laughs> oh, yes. the game. Uh, so so the Bears had a, a good weekend off, and now they're getting ready to take on what I think is a really interesting Carolina Panthers team. Yeah. Yeah, talk, and obviously they're doing, um, you know, fairly well to start off the season. Um, you guys are playing against the uh, the Panthers today. I think one of the things that's very interesting about that matchup real quick is just the play of Teddy Bridgewater and Robbie Anderson, who has been going off with multiple hundred-plus receiving yard games this season. Um, but you guys had a very, very, I think, um, statement-making win, although it wasn't by a whole bunch of points um, against the Bucks, let alone, but still, it's a Tom Brady-led team. It was Thursday night football. It was in front of a national audience. Um, how do you feel like they'll take that momentum in or just kind of the good energy from that win into this game against the Panthers today? Joe, you hit on the thing that a lot of Bears fans are frustrated by, the fact that this team is one, but no one really has a good sense for how good they are on offense. Everyone knows how good they are on defense. Like, this this team balls out. Khalil Mack had one of his best games over the last 10 games or so uh, against Tampa Bay. Akeem Hicks has been playing really well. But offensively, what we've been led to believe by the Bears has been, well, the problems that the Bears have had offensively come down to one person, Mitchell Trubisky, that that's the problem. The reason that they haven't taken that next step is because they've had Mitchell Trubisky. Well, now... You look at it, if you look at the last, in 12 out of the last 21 games, mm -hmm. the Bears have scored 20 points or fewer. And mm -hmm. now they've had Nick Foles start two games. Yeah. They finish up the game uh, against Atlanta. There shouldn't be any more excuses from a player personnel standpoint. Now mm -hmm. people in Chicago are going, is it the scheme? Is, is Matt Nagy, who I think is really good at all of the things that a head coach has to do, is he good at the things that the Bears brought him in to do, which mm -hmm. is developing an offense and making it a formidable thing that other teams have to deal with? And so far, the answer has been maybe, 
And and that's not good when you're talking about the third year of a regime. But wait a minute, why are there these questions? The Bears are four and one. I mean, y'all are complaining like it's zero and five. I mean, imagine if you guys had the record of the Giants. There's questions about Matt Nagy. I mean, this is the guy who had that offensive reputation coming in from the Chiefs. Right, but we haven't seen it actually play out on the field. Like you, this team doesn't score a lot of points, and they've still had to rely on what they are defensively mm-hmm. to be the reason that they're sitting there at four and one. And everyone kind of thought that that wasn't going to be the thing anymore. Now yeah. you could just say, "Well, follow the money." If you look at the money, the money has been spent on the defensive side. You yeah. made the the move to bring in Mac. You 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 given money to Akeem Hicks. You gave money to Robert Quinn. You've made you you made your money moves over on the defensive side. On the offensive side, there aren't a lot of playmakers. There's Allen Robinson, and they think that they may have found something in Darnell Mooney, the rookie out of Tulane. David Montgomery has been stifled in the run game, which again I go back to. These were things that Matt Nagy was brought in to fix. The fact that, that the Bears still don't have a consistent run game. They've taken Cordero Patterson and put him in the backfield now. Like, like that's, they're, they're desperate to try and get production. And in games, we see the Bears, it happens a lot, where they think that they're going to. They come in and say, well, we want to have balance. We want to run the ball. And then you'll, you'll see them not do that in a game. They'll get away from it. Just like that, like get away from it quick. So there are still questions about why Matt Nagy's offense doesn't work. And okay, I, but there's been a but there's been a switch at quarterback. So there, you know, it does take time. It's not as if Nick Foles has been the quarterback there for the whole time that Matt Nagy has been there, right? So there is somewhat of a just playing, you know, just playing devil's advocate. I'm listening to you. But Joe, here's the thing: mm-hmm. the whole reason that they brought in Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. It's because of his familiarity with the system. If mm-hmm. you look at the offensive, you know, coach, I'm talking about the other pieces to Nick Foles. You know well, what I'm saying? Yeah, I, yeah. I, mm-hmm. on that. I think that that's one of the things that that I think is really important. Like, where does Allen Robinson want the ball on a comeback route? Like all of that mm-hmm. stuff. I do think that 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 type of stuff takes time. But we were pretty much told that, that he's a plug and play guy. Every single coach that the Bears have on on their offense. Nick mm-hmm. Holt has played for. He's played for Bill Lazor. He's played for Mike DiFilippo. He's played for Juan Castillo. He's played for Matt Nagy. So but it the- still takes time because he went from, you know, Philadelphia and then he was in Jack. It's not as if he was playing for all these coaches at once and right at the same time, right before he came in. You know, there, there's been some transition. You have to go back, recall, and then you have you know, something that's not a, of a traditional offseason in terms of the offseason conditioning program and all that other stuff. So it takes some some time. It, it would be like, yes, you you worked at different radio stations and and now you're coming back and working for the same, you know, GM at the same radio. But it would still take you some time, you know, to reacclimate, even though you, you know, I, I'm trying to make a radio analogy. Work with me here, Laura. <laughs> it would still be me. And I think that that's the thing. Like Nick Foles is still him. Right. And the player that he is, like he's streaky. He's hot. Like, so you can, you get what you're going to get. And what Bears fans need to understand is the guy that you saw at the end of the Falcons game, you're going to see him. You're also going to see the guy that played the Colts game Mm -hmm. where it was kind of up and down and it was a little bit shaky. And, and then you have the performance against Tampa Bay, which I thought is about middle ground for, for what Nick Foles is. But again, they still aren't scoring points. So yes, Bears fans are happy. Mm-hmm. That team is four and one. There's no doubt about that. They're really happy, but they're still trying to figure out if their team is any good. Okay. So what differences do you hope to see or do you expect to see, you know, today against the Panthers in terms of any offensive tweets or any things that you would suggest that they, you know, perhaps need to do based on even getting the running game going a little bit more? Well, the Tariq Cohen injury, I think, is is a little bit more devastating than people gave it credit for. Mm-hmm. He offers them a little bit of a change of pace. Of course. And he offers them a matchup thing when they split him outside and have him kind of work as a wide receiver. So they're still trying to find that. You know, Anthony Miller, I think, is one of the more interesting players on the Bears offense because I think that he has the potential to be great, mm-hmm. but he's inconsistent. And it, that inconsistency is keeping like that natural talent that he has for playmaking 
from becoming a, a real weapon for the Bears offensively. Allen Robinson, I, I know that he probably was looking at his own teammate, Tariq Cohen, then looking at what happened to Dak Prescott. I know that Allen is like, why is my deal not done? Like, why, why do I not have a long-term deal? But he's still playing hard, and I thought that he had his best game last week. He's come up with, I think it's three straight games of, of 90 yards or more receiving for him. He was the number one option for Mitchell Trubisky. He'll be the number one option for Nick. So, so I, but I, I hope that none of that stuff that he, that he's even going out there worrying about the contract. And I wonder how can you not when you see what's happening around the league. He, he wants to be a bear. Like mm-hmm. He wants to be a bear for the rest of his career. And everyone in Chicago is surprised that this deal didn't get done before the season started. And especially now, it's almost like Allen Robinson's on a prove-it deal. And it's really, really bizarre. Yeah, I mean, because you go back to the type of um, production he was having, even from his uh, Jaguars days. And, you know, uh, he was having, you know, a thousand, I think I believe it was 2015, he had like a, a really strong, it was either 2015, 2016, we had his breakout year. And how it's just kind of been unfortunate, you know, how, Things have gone, you know, for him, particularly just in going from different quarterbacks, trying to simulate to himself, you know, in in Chicago. But I mean, I still think of him as like a basketball player who is like a, you know, football player in terms of the way he can body up his, um, you know, his defender and things like that. I mean, this is someone who should be, you know, very prolific game to game to game to game to game and having no problem getting his money on top of that. I hope so. I, I hope so for him. And he's already gone through the ACL thing before when he was in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. I think it's starting to come together. It, it is weird, though. In the last three games, he's had the ball taken away from him by defenders. And so there are a lot of Bears fans that are frustrated by that because they know how good Allen Robinson could be. But this game is really interesting. So Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Mike Davis takes over him. Mike Davis was with the Bears last year. They had brought him in to kind of be a stabilizing force in their backfield. But then they were like, well, we feel pretty good about David Montgomery. Davis didn't play. And then they released him. Mm -hmm. And now you're seeing Mike Davis have a career year for the (laughs) Carolina Panthers. Like he stepped in and done a lot of the stuff. And I know this is heresy to say a lot of stuff that Christian McCaffrey was doing. He's right. been a threat to, to both catch the ball and, and to run the ball. I but think- the opportunity is there for him to do it right now, obviously, with McCaffrey. We don't know that we would even be seeing it to this level. If uh, Clearly not, because look at how much of a, you know, you know how much of the offense Christian McCaffrey is in once he's actually healthy. But it's clearly providing an opportunity for him. So it's going to be interesting to see how they deploy him. And Teddy Bridgewater, like you look at what he's done over the last three weeks, like he's been super efficient. And and remember, the Bears were interested in bringing Teddy Bridgewater in. They thought that maybe he could answer some of their quarterback questions uh, during the offseason. But there was talk that that he would have to compete with Mitchell Trubisky for the job, which doesn't make any sense if you're going to spend $20 million a year on, on a quarterback like him. So this game has a lot of interesting uh, subplots to it. And and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I want to see that. Now that there's been three weeks of game planning for Nick Foles, mm-hmm. can he take that next step in developing the Bears offense to a place where Matt Nagy and, and Nagy is complained and saying that his team has not done a great job and himself included. He hasn't pointed the finger. He's pointed the thumb too. they haven't done a great job with details and that he wants to see that part of what the Bears do offensively get cleaned up. Well, looking forward to seeing what happens when the Bears play the Panthers. I just want to bring everyone back in real quick. I know Daryl Ryder has to go, so let me uh, just bring everybody back in to say goodbye. One second. Um, Add to the screen. Add to the screen. And then let's go back here. And then take you over the wall. All right, guys. So, listen, I appreciate your patience as, as we went around the country right now to get a preview on the Browns, to get a preview on the Washington football team, to get a preview on the Bears from Daryl Ryder, Lake Lewis, and Lawrence Holmes. Any last thoughts before you go? But we got to let Daryl say it first because he's the one that has to jump off first. So what last thoughts do you have for us even with this preview or just even with uh, 
what's going on nationally with the, the COVID and how much your your team has had to you know deal with that as well real quick. Yeah, no question. The Browns have had a couple of scares, but uh, one of the big metrics I look at today's game, the strength of schedule between the two teams, major advantage to the Browns. Steelers' four opponents combined 3-15-1. Browns' five opponents today, 11-13-1. So advantage Cleveland. Okay, oh, advantage Cleveland. So I'm gonna, you don't be texting you after the game now. We'll see if that stands, okay? I'm going to let you go. I know you got a 10-10 hit, so thank you for joining us, Daryl. appreciate, appreciate it. Appreciate you, Josina. Thanks I for having me. Up real quick. All right, I appreciate you. All right, thank you. Go ahead and um, I'll let you come out of this stream. All right, so Lake, what final thoughts do you have for your uh, matchup today um, against the Giants or the Washington football team's matchup, I should say, rather? Uh, this is the first of uh, three straight division games. You know, if you're Washington, you've got to at least come out of this stretch. You have the Giants today, Cowboys next week, and then the Giants again in, in uh, two weeks. So you've got to come out of this stretch two and one if you want to have a chance to really compete in this division. We all know the horrors that they've had up in the Meadowlands. Uh, you know, the last two times, uh, you know, they've been up there. They, they've not shown too well. Matter of fact, the Giants have actually owned Washington over the last three, four seasons. So they've owned. got to the snide. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, maybe this is it. They should technically when you're looking at the record coming in. But like, as we mentioned, they are underdogs coming into this. And then Lawrence, what final thoughts do you have for your matchup? Um, with the Bears uh, against the Panthers today. It would behoove the Bears to win today's game, Joe. And let me tell you why. Okay. Their schedule from here on out, Rams, Saints, Titans over the next Rams, few weeks. Saints, Titans. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Don't mess up in Charlotte today because if you mess up in but Charlotte. The Panthers the next are no slouch. The Panthers are no slouch. No doubt. And they've right. been playing great football. Just looking at, at the way that this schedule shakes out and then the Vikings and the Packers after that, don't mess up in Charlotte this week. Yeah, yeah. And and then um, do you have any thoughts real quick in terms of how the uh, the league should just be handling the, this COVID situation and how much you can both just illuminate how much it's affected the teams that you both cover? Well, it, it, for the Bears, their offensive line coach, Juan Castillo, was in contact with someone who tested positive. So as it stands, he isn't. He didn't travel with the team. Mm. This is something that 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 the Bears have been trying desperately to to work through. Like most of these teams, I I'm still at a place where I'm I worry that the league needs to be a little bit more flexible. And I know that everything is back time towards the Super Bowl. More flexible, how? They need to to open up more weeks just in case if they need to to, to have more games later on. And I, think, I, th I think that's definitely been a part of the discussion as far as adding weeks on the backside. I think because it, we haven't had another outbreak to the degree that Tennessee has had, um, it really hasn't necessarily forced them yet. There have been escape patches in the schedule that have kind of allowed them to, you know, either move it just, you know, two or three days. And so far they've been able to massage it. But definitely if you see something to the extent of a Tennessee outbreak, I, I think there's, you know, no question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I keep wondering if that if they need to even move the Super Bowl date just in. Oh, that for sure potentially could might have to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lake, go ahead. Yeah, you know, just uh, it's going to be interesting because just here this week, the governor of Maryland, Larry Hogan, uh, you know, said that he's going to open up the state, you know, as far as a different phase. But what that allows is for uh, you know for the Ravens as well as for Washington to have at least 8,000 fans in their stadiums. It'll be 10% 10, 10 capacity. And, and, you know, some people here, you know, in this market are, it's a big market. A lot of people, a lot of people are still saying, you know, it, even if they have the chance to go to the games, they won't go just out of the fear of COVID. Really? Yeah. yeah, because I feel like when I'm watching the games around the country for the, some of the uh, stadiums that uh, are allowing fans in, I still feel like I see those fans coming in. You think that represents the majority of people in, in Washington, or is that more so because of where the team is right now record-wise, too? Like, well, if there was, basically what I'm saying is if there was more hysteria, you know, then... It could be what, all of those. All of the right, all those things at once, right. But, but, I mean, yeah, if this team was undefeated, you'd have people piling in the stadium, even if they knew they could possibly could get sick, and I... And I'm not trying to be cynical there, but right. at the end of the day, when you're not playing well and there's still, you know, some 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 gray areas with COVID in this market of all politically charged markets, too, yeah. you're going to have people that are staying at home. I actually did that. Uh, you know, I asked that question on Twitter 
mm -hmm. uh, two days ago. And surprisingly, some of the fans that I know are diehard fans and part of some of this team's fan groups, yes. they were the ones that were like, no, I won't go. Right. Right, right. So, and, and lastly, before you go, um, and outside of y'all's teams, and you can even include your team real quick, but do you have, you know, an NFC pick and AFC picks, you know, this year for conference champions? I'm just curious. Or, or has that, or did, or who Not, you potentially thinking at the beginning of the season, has it changed? It hasn't changed for me at all. And okay. So who's your I'm NFC gonna, pick? Yeah, one I'm going to surprise you. I have uh, Seattle and Baltimore in the Super Bowl. I said that back August 1st. <laughs> and Nothing has really led me to believe it can't happen. I will say the Kansas City Chiefs are still out there. Don't get me wrong. And uh, they proved to the Ravens that you, you still have to step up if you want to play with us. But I think that game will equip the Ravens more if they meet them in the playoffs. I think they'll be more equipped to be able to handle Patrick Mahomes and company. All right, Lauren. So, yeah, what, what am I going to hear here? I'm not ready to make a pick yet, but I will tell you. Mm. I'm really surprised at how well Green Bay is playing. Yeah, how do you forget Green Bay and even and then and then look at how the Raiders performed against and do you feel down on the Chiefs because of how the Raiders just beat the Chiefs or that you you already were feeling like that? But no, no, no I'm sorry. Let, let let Lawrence finish. Go ahead, Lawrence. I I, I just really I, I think that now like I, I we haven't seen an angry Aaron Rodgers and I kind of like it. Like I kind of I kind of like chip on the shoulder. Talking trash, Aaron Rodgers out here with Pat McAfee, like just going wild. Like I love it, and it's it's fun because I think that he, he now that he's in that second gear in Matt Lafleur's system, you can see how comfortable he is, and they're finding new targets for him. Even though they 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 may have wasted a draft pick to not get him a new target for this particular season. I, I like this guy that's got an edge. I, I still would probably pick Seattle to win the NFC, but I think the Green Bay is going to make it real interesting. You would pick Seattle over Green Bay. Now, here's the inter interesting thing about Green Bay with um, Matt LaFleur as a head coach. They were 13-3 and three with him last year, and they're off to this incredible start again this year. So what is it that is actually making you edge out Seattle over Green Bay then? Because Russ is going to be MVP. That's why. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is going to be right there, but I think that Russ is finally getting the opportunity and people are starting to pay attention to how how really impactful he is. Like He's a transcendent quarterback. He's been impactful. Yes. He's been impactful. And, he, and he's been a quarterback that hasn't gotten any MVP votes. Yeah. He's yeah. going to be the MVP. Of the league and he and DK Metcalf, like that combination is is dynamite. Yeah, I think that's key. That he's got a he's finally got a true number one. Take nothing away from Doug Baldwin and, and Lockett, because they're really good receivers. But Metcalf's a guy that can get you the catch that you need at any point in the game, as we saw, you know, several times this season. He makes the catch that's tough to make and he makes it at the right time. And to me, this puts Russell Wilson over the top where he finally gets his due and gets that MVP. Yeah, well, here's the thing, though. I feel like in the in the AFC, I still think, I don't know, like even though the Chiefs had the loss against the Raiders, I still feel like, you know, they have that championship pedigree, at least from the AFC standpoint. I know you had. Did you give me AFC pick, Lawrence? No, I didn't. Okay, I was about to say. Go ahead, I, go ahead. I'm still up in the air about the AFC because yeah, I, I mean, who knows what happens later on down the line? It looks like the that the, the Titans have overcome their issues with with the pandemic, but they look good, man. Like that that team looks really really strong, and they've got all the things that you want in a championship team. They can run the ball when the weather changes. Like they could absolutely run the ball. They have a strong defense that takes the ball away. They've got a smart quarterback. So I, it's hard for me to to, to look past them. And, but then you got Lamar Jackson and you got Baltimore and you. So so. I'm oh wait a minute, Lawrence Lake. Is he making you think a little bit more as far as you know? He's talking I mean, about the Titans here. Is he making you doubt your? I mean, they did. What, what was it? The divisional round. I mean, the Titans yeah. did you know really disappoint the Ravens last season. So is he making you think about that a little bit? No, because this is <laughs> no. I mean, no, no, no. Lawrence is on point. Don't get me wrong. 
Yes. And yes, the Tennessee style is definitely a problem for Baltimore. Uh, but I will say a huge problem. Oh, a, a real problem. <laughs> and they play Kansas City super tough in the playoffs as well. Yeah. Yeah. Almost probably should have beat them. But mm. I, I just think that Baltimore right now hasn't even started clicking yet. You know, you haven't seen their best football, which isn't necessarily a bad sign. It's, you know, they're developing some other things. But I, I just think Lamar Jackson say what you want about, you know, some of the deficiencies in the past game with him. He's still dynamic and he's still a guy, as long as the ball's in his hands, he's going to make some plays. I do think that they're missing a second tight end in Baltimore's offense this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year they had two headed monster tight end. So right now it's just Mark Andrews, but I think they'll figure some things out. They got to get their running game going too, because it hasn't been that strong. I think J.K. Dobbins is a guy that's going to emerge in the second half of the season for the Ravens, though. So if you're putting up Titans defense, Ravens defense. Titans. Uh, okay, 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 okay. And Lawrence, Titans defense, Ravens defense. I, I got the Titans defense, but I, I think that Lake is is right when he talks about, I don't think that we've seen the best of Lamar yet. Yeah. Like, I think. But, that- so if once we see the best of Lamar even more even though both of you are picking the Titans defense. So this is what I'm saying. So once we see the best of Lamar, that is so much more of a factor to negate the Titans defense for you all being better than the Ravens. I think that it gives them a – I think that he'll be better for what happened last year. Exactly. In the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to – you know how it is. Like great players always add. And I'm sure that he spent a lot of time looking over what went wrong in that game. Yeah. He's just building. Like I, I, I like, I love the way that he approaches the game, and I think that he's gonna start building, and he's gonna understand that he might have to win a shootout against Patrick, against Patrick Mahomes. They still have to beat the Chiefs. That's not beat the Chiefs. And, yeah. and, and, and he <laughs> might have to go up against that Titans defense that shut him down last year, and we're gonna get to see that if, if that greatness rises to the level that we all expect that it can. I would say that. I'll say this, if I'm Baltimore, this may sound total crazy lunacy here, but if I'm Baltimore, I'd rather face Kansas City early in the playoffs before Tennessee, put it that way. (laughs) Okay, all right, but but I guess, all right, so you guys feel that once Lamar gets his stride that that'll negate it. Okay, I understand that. But here is a couple things that I want to bring to your attention. So when the Ravens are playing that time of possession game and controlling, we're bringing back in uh, Daryl Ryder, who covers the Browns uh, for 92.3, the fan. Um, when the Ravens are controlling the time of possession, that's what helps uh, to negate the other side of the ball because then they're possessing the ball, you know, that much longer. I just don't know that um, – I just don't know that even when he's hitting it all on all cylinders that I can put the Ravens over the Titans. Also just the competitiveness. And this is where Daryl can help us with the play in the AFC North between the Browns and the Steelers, just even getting out of the AFC North division Um, right now, Daryl, what we're talking about, they're trying to convince me why, or I think Lake is more trying to convince me. I I know Lawrence, you want to say something? (laughs) I don't think that we're trying to convince you. <laughs> making statements, man. I we're just, just talking about ball. That's all. About ball. Listen, we were trying to make our picks for the Super Bowl, or they were. And Lake was saying that he has the Ravens out of the AFC. And Lawrence, you were saying that. I was saying that I'm on the fence because I think that Tennessee is really good. Right. But, but what they were saying is that Lamar's play elevates the Ravens for both of them, I believe over the Titans, even though they both say that the Titans' defense is better than the Ravens' defense. But please, Daryl, can you help us put the NFC North into perspective, excuse me, the AFC North, and why that might be even difficult for the Ravens? What, no love for the 4-1 and one Browns? What's going on here? They'll <laughs> be in the playoffs. You'll, you'll be happy. <laughs> oh, they'll be in the playoffs. Okay. So at least they are making the playoffs. Yeah. But, uh, and, all right, go ahead, Daryl. And here I was going to book my flight to Tampa for February. But uh, anyway, um, <laughs> you, you know – I've already changed my Super Bowl pick like three times already. I just changed it on the Browns radio network. I uh, I picked the Seattle Seahawks now to come off the uh, – or out of the NFC, I know, going out on a major win there. Uh-huh. Um, so and then, the Packers too. And yeah, I, well, I think that's going to be the NFC championship game. I think it's going to be Packers Seahawks, uh, uh-huh. provided they end up in the right, you know, the, the right brackets and seating. But 
Uh, I, I really think that the AFC North is going to be the dogfight in the NFL this year. Uh, as you guys were talking about, Lamar Jackson reigning NFL MVP absolutely shellacked the Browns in week one. Now, I could provide the excuse that it was Kevin Stefanski's first game. They hadn't played the preseason. It was really their first time running live against competition. But give Lamar and the Ravens their due. They took the Browns to the woodshed and enjoyed every moment of that. The Pittsburgh Steelers, we're going to find out today just how good they are. I mentioned earlier uh, yeah, about the level of competition. The Steelers. Yeah, you know, they, you know, the level of their competition, quite frankly, hadn't been very good early in the season. They combined three wins in their four opponents. So we're going to find out today just how good the Steelers are. We're also going to find out how good the Browns are, I think, too. But uh, And Cincinnati is no longer a bye week for everybody uh, in the AFC North. You have to take them legitimately with so, uh, with Joe Burrow. So, Daryl, who's your AFC pick then? I mean, I know uh, it's before the game against the Browns. And yeah, I really, really want to stick with Pat Holmes, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs because I have so much respect for what they've done. But getting back to the Super Bowl in consecutive years is just so hard to do. So I am going to go with a Seahawks, and this is very painful because I work in Cleveland. I'm going with a and and they <laughs> the, the Ravens have won the Ravens have won, had uh, have won as many Super Bowls as the Browns have had winning seasons since 1999. Ravens. And I'm, I'm going. I'm and I'm. I'm going Ravens Seahawks in the Super Bowl. Wow! I, I hope no one from Tennessee is watching this. You know, that's a, go ahead, go ahead, Lawrence. Daryl doesn't trust that quarterback in Cleveland either. You, yeah. <laughs> well, you guys were giving me grief because I I said no love for the four and one Browns, and I was ready to book my flight to Tampa. But you know, <laughs> I think Daryl. I think Daryl was watching when we were talking earlier, and I said the same thing: Seattle Ravens. So smart man, right there. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. So Seahawks Ravens. Seahawks Ravens. And then Lawrence, what what are, what are you coming in at? I'm Seahawks question mark. Is where I'm at. Seahawks question mark. Okay, who who are your finalists for the AFC? I think it's probably Kansas City and Tennessee. So no, so no Ravens for you. I. No one from the (laughs) AFC North for you. I mean, it's week six. Talk. I don't. Just, I mean, you know, that's why they're predictions because you don't get to do it the night before the Super Bowl. <laughs> huh? What do you say? That's not how it works. No, it's okay. So let's just say mine. So NFC wise, I have to admit that I, I, I picked the Saints at the beginning of the season. I'm still gonna stick with the Saints, and I, I think that people have kind of come off the Saints a little bit because Michael Thomas has been missing. Now that he's gotten past whatever altercation was happening in New Orleans uh, last week and should be coming back, I do think that people are gonna remind be reminded about the Saints again this season. So I'm I'm gonna stick there, um, even though I, I think that we should be giving the Green Bay Packers a little bit more love. And then AFC wise, originally I was saying the Chiefs. And um, come on, bring I'm it gonna on. The I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the Chiefs because I just think the Patrick. If, if I just have to ask myself, if the Chiefs are playing the Titans, who do I think is winning that game? And I just can't discount just like much like you guys were talking about the quarterback factor with the Ravens. I just cannot discount uh, Patrick Mahomes because even if they're down two or three touchdowns with three minutes to go. Whose arm do I believe in, in more right now? And that's no knock against, you know, Tenhill. Uh, and, and Derrick Henry can send anyone back to oblivion like Mike Tyson would always say. <laughs> but, you know, if, if the Titans are going up against the Chiefs, I, I, is, are you guys agreeing with me or no? no? The argument that you make is is a solid one, which is why I don't have – you just did what I did, but you was talking trash about me, talking about you can't pick. And the night before the Super Bowl, you just did the exact same. No, but I am picking. I am picking. I'm saying NFC. Oh well, NFC right now. Like I, huh? I, I them, but also Tennessee's defense is really good. You just did the exact same thing I did. I know. I know. I just I don't know if I can buy into the Saints. I listen. I was born in New Orleans. I love the Saints, but I, you know Drew Brees. I'm I'm starting to get concerned about whether he has enough gas left in that tank. I, I really think that that NFC championship game. With Mike Thomas being out. 
I understand I, that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I understand that. But I have a PhD in bad quarterback play. I cover the Browns. I saw 29 of them. Um, yeah. And I, I, I am concerned that Drew Brees is just really on the back nine. And, and as they say, you know, father time is undefeated. And I'm thinking that father time is finally starting to catch up with Drew. He's not getting the ball down the field as much. He's taken a lot of short, intermediate stuff. And that's all well and good. You can win that way. Um, and I believe me, I'd love to see my Saints in the Super Bowl. I just don't know that they have enough to do that this year. It's so crazy going from one season to the next, the way people are talking about Drew right now. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Daryl. He's just – I think there's like one or two completions over 25 yards. I mean, he's not looking to throw the ball down the field. And I agree – that Michael Thomas is a big part of their offense. But I think we need a little bit more Alvin Kamara. I, I think that they have, they've got to run out Alvin Kamara a little bit more to take the pressure off of Drew Brees. And sometimes I look back on this Saints team and I think that they missed that two-headed monster they had at running back when I'm well, Mark Ingram. Yeah. I don't think yeah. they've ever recovered. And also just the energy from the two of them because they were oh, basically yeah. like the two, you know, well, yeah. you know how they were after the game. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, listen, I'm going to let you go. I appreciate going around the country with you all from Chicago, Washington, and Cleveland to talk about the Browns and Washington football team and the Bears and just previewing in general week six and trying to somehow come to a conclusion with the predictions over the Super Bowl. I don't know if anybody's going to be right or if, you know, anyone is, uh, you know, going to be dead on, but we'll see. I'm definitely calling you back when it comes to uh, – your uh your Browns prediction there today, Daryl. I know I'll be texting you too. All right, guys. Okay. Appreciate All right, you. Thank you. Undefined uh, game coverage before week six. Take care, guys. Okay. Take care. All right. Bye. Thanks, Joe. <laughs>